Welcome to Wall Street Weekly, a show where your hosts, George and Patrick, cut through the financial jargon to keep you educated and informed about the markets that affect our lives. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the highly informing, overperforming radio show on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. My name is George Akala, joined alongside me in the pilot seat, Patrick Scott. Who is very well acquainted with a famous radio personality named Dave Ramsey. I okay. met Dave Ramsey last week. Yeah, did you you shook his hand? I shook his hand. So you're you're basically bros now. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah, I'm in the will. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you you just shook his hand and you're automatically out of debt. Yep. Well, that's great. We've got a fantastic show planned. I say this every week, but I truly mean it this week. We went all out. We knew that only this week. Only this week. <laughs> every week, but this week specifically, we went all out. Because we knew that it was Hillsdale Parents Weekend. So for all of you who most likely randomly tuned in, we want to thank you, as well as the rest of our audience, because we couldn't do this without you. Well, we probably could. (laughs) We probably could, but it makes it more fulfilling that we do have an audience. Exactly. But with great power comes great responsibility. So we want to remind you that this show is for entertainment purposes only. While we do talk about investing, always contact Trusted Financial Council before making any decisions. Patrick, let's go back to a story that we talked about a couple weeks ago with Joe. And if you missed that episode or any of our past episodes, you can find them on Twitter, also known as X at Wall Street Pod. But that was a great episode with Joe where we talked about the impending doom from the United Auto Workers and what that meant for the big three automakers in the nation. Let's talk about one of those today. It hasn't been a great day for Ford as we record October 26th, actually a couple hours ago, they just released their quarter three earnings. And there were two things that really stood out to me. The first would have to be that Ford's Model E electric vehicle unit lost $1.3 billion from July through September. Quick question. It lost $1.3 billion. So does that mean they just had way more expenses than profits? Yeah, so they were... Yeah, spending a lot more than they were making. They didn't have that many sales of... I think right now it's pretty much they have a van and then the Ford F-150 Lightning. Okay. Also the Mustang, I guess. The What is it? The Mach-E. Oh, I didn't even hear about that. I think that was a couple of years ago. Maybe they have an electric Bronco. Either way, it doesn't matter because they're losing money on it, which they expected to do. This doesn't come as a big surprise. But for those people who aren't in the business world... I think it kind of comes as a shock. We've heard and seen about a ton of electric vehicles. But right now, there's only one profitable electric car manufacturer, and that's Tesla. Um, They do it really well. They built factories for electric cars, so there's much less switching costs. But like a lot of emerging technologies, when you see in investing, they don't become profitable until way longer than people might expect. I know that Tesla only became profitable a couple years ago. Amazon was losing a lot of money throughout the 2000s. So just an interesting thing to note. And and I would be curious to see how long it takes before uh, the traditional automakers become profitable. So something to look, look for in the future. But even bigger as far as the stock price is concerned, which dropped 4% in the after hours tradings, is that there was an earnings miss. It was expected that the company wasn't going to do as well. Because of the UAW strike, the United Auto Workers strike that we talked about, but it wasn't really anticipated it would be this much. However, for some, 
it would come as a silver lining for some, they're much more skeptical. Ford finally reached a tentative agreement with the UAW, uh, whether that's good news or not. People will have their own opinions, but it, it ended the auto worker strikes at those plants. Is that permanently? I believe it is. I think they have to make some formalizations, but Sean Fain, UAW leader, did say, I think they're going back to work tomorrow. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, and it wasn't a full-on strike, so as we talked about in the past episode, their strategy was to strike at key manufacturing plants. And I don't know if this is coincidence or not, but a couple days ago, they announced that they were going to go on strike at, I think it was an F-150 plant. In addition to the ones that they were originally striking at? The ones that they were originally striking at, because they were only striking at... Three, Toledo, Detroit, and I think one in Kansas or Missouri? Yeah, and then over the weeks, it had actually scaled up, so it ended up being like 20 or 22% of workers were on strike. Man. Um, but recently, apparently, these two plants were going to be major, major hits, and the deal came through shortly thereafter. Again, I don't have enough knowledge to know whether that's coincidence or not, but either way, the market didn't seem to react poorly or well to the news. Uh, the prices briefly rose on Wednesday, and then they fell back to their original level at the close of trading on Thursday. Well, it might not have a huge impact because, you know, we talked about this when we were talking about the UAW in a few episodes back with Joe. When a company goes on strike, we don't really see a huge impact in the stock price. And so, you know, why would it be very volatile when it's returning to normal? Yeah, and part of that goes to labor negotiations. People know when they're going to have to renegotiate. And so investors in Ford, smart investors in Ford or UPS in the past, they know, hey, in the fall of 2023, Ford is either going to have to pay up to these auto workers or they're going to go on strike. And we trust that Ford's management is going to make the best decision because if you cave immediately to the demands, um, sometimes you're going to end up overpaying, whereas if you wait too long then your plants aren't working. So trying to find that happy medium, and it remains to be seen whether Ford's management you know, did made the best decision in ending it when they did. But I think at the very least, it, it puts pressure on Stellantis and GM to get those people back to work. And I think it puts a little more power with the United Auto Workers, probably some promise for their fellow brothers striking at other brothers and sisters striking at other plants that they will get paid and and paid. They do get now a 25% wage increase for all levels at Ford increased 401k and cost of living adjustments. Do you know what a cost of living adjustment is? Is that based on inflation? Yeah. So I think they track it with the CPI just to make sure that your wages keep up with the cost of living. And that's the consumer price index, yep. which If I remember correctly, you're the econ guy, so correct me if I'm wrong, but it's based on what's called the basket of goods. So they take sort of everyday things, normal things that people buy and see how the price changes over time. Yep. And I know there was some controversy because I don't know if they keep energy prices in there or there's some things that people are like, oh, it doesn't fully represent the cost of living. Either way, that's neither here nor there. Ford workers are getting extra money there. In addition to five weeks of PTO per year, 25 days of paid time off. It's pretty good. Which the national average for employees who have worked with a firm for over 10 years is 
17 days of PTO per year. And from what I understand, this is pretty much immediately what you're going to get if you go to work for Ford. And I think the most notable benefit that these workers are going to get is they're going to get bumped up to $40 plus per hour. And that doesn't even take into account all the benefits after three years. So if you've worked at Ford for three years, you're going to be making at least 40 bucks an hour instead of it used to be you had to work there eight plus years to get $32 an hour or more. So very significant if you do the math and I'm not a math major, but what is that like? That looks like 40 an hour is $83,200 a year. Um, so that's, yeah, I mean, that's a decent amount. And But what was UPS, like 170000 or something like that? Yeah, that would be also after five years is going to be like 170000 a year, which I, I, I've seen the number. I've seen the data. I know it's true, but that just seems... Unreal. Doesn't seem right. Like, you know, it, it's just absurd and comprehensible. It should be noted, though, a lot of people just talk about, oh, it's corporate greed, you know, workers are finally getting paid. We're not commenting on that, but it does come at a cost to Ford and their shareholders uh, as the estimated increased labor expenses will amount to an extra $850 to $900 per vehicle, which, again, that was priced in by investors. They knew that day of reckoning was going to come where they had to pay their workers more. At the same time, though, it is probably a little tough to take based on the fact that Tesla has automated so much of their factory that they can pay the workers much less than Ford because it's less labor demanding and they can produce more cars. So labor costs end up being like half of what Fords are or a little little more than half. Um, but definitely interesting to see how it plays in going forward. Well, it's obvious that Ford has been struggling and I think it's very visible based on the workers that are on strike. Patrick's got a company that might seem weird that it's not doing so hot and there's a lot of different dynamics going on so patrick tell us what that is absolutely so today we're going to be talking about google and microsoft and on wednesday so yesterday google stock um, which is technically under the parent company alphabet it took a nine percent hit which is actually the biggest one day loss for the company in its history after the earnings report and George mentioned um, earnings earlier, but I'm just going to give a quick understanding of earnings reports. Um, so an earn earnings report is when a company announces its financial results every quarter. So it shows the earnings per share, you know, how much investors make off of their investment into the company. Um, and so leading up to earnings reports, much of the stock price is, you know, based on speculation and how much people think the company is doing. So earnings reports will tell you how well the company is actually doing. Do I have that right? Yeah, th that's absolutely right. And when you say speculation, for a lot of the bigger companies, there is speculation, but it's kind of wisdom of the crowd. You have the people who overestimate, underestimate. Usually it's pretty close to right on with a consensus estimate. Sometimes you see smaller companies have wild changes after earnings, but not normally big companies. Right. So that 9% hit means a loss of $166 billion in market cap. And quick reminder, market cap is basically the share price times all the shares that are available. So that doesn't mean they lost $166 billion. It just means the company lost value in the eyes of the investors. So people thought Google was doing better than it was. And this is, leads to an important lesson for investors, I think, George. Um, a company can grow and experience increases in profits. But, you know, if that, if that does, growth does not 
measure up to investor expectations, the stock price can drop and you can lose money from a successful and a growing company. And remember, a stock price is basically a hypothesis of the value of one tiny piece of the company. Yeah, we talk all the time and I think probably people might think too much, but it's a super important concept, probably the most important concept in investing that expectations are the most important thing and that's what's reflected in the share price. Right, but it was actually not the earnings per share that tanked Google's stock. They actually surpassed analysts' expectations with the earnings per share. And they surpassed analysts' expectations in every single category but one. What was the one category? Cloud. So Google's cloud computing revenue jumped 22% to $8.41 billion. But this wasn't good enough. You know, analysts expected $8.64 billion. You know, they didn't miss by much. That's $20 million, right? Yeah. But they missed, and Microsoft didn't. Yeah, it's just crazy. Like, the expectations are so high that 22% is an absurd number, but yet it's not good enough. We're expecting Google to be this unicorn every single quarter. Right. And especially, I, I bet it's kind of, I don't know, disheartening for <laughs> the employees and management at Google seeing their stock price drop after they have really good performance records and numbers that they're releasing. But, you know, people's expectations do matter and they're, you know, efficient market hypothesis. They reflect that in, in the stock price. Yeah, I think in some cases you become a victim of your own success. You could think of it like even a professional athlete. If you're LeBron James or Michael Jordan, you could have a really good game. But if you don't put up 35 points and get 15 rebounds, everyone's going to be disappointed and say you failed to, to meet up expectations. Same thing here. Right. But for the price to tank this much, investors really have to be concerned, you know, with the cloud system and the future impact it's going to have. Because, um, I mean, obviously, AI is all the rage right now. And it seems like, you know, the revolutionary industry of the future, you know, if anyone had to bet, I suppose we all think it's kind of the equivalent of the revelation of the computer. So it makes sense that this, this is the new industry that means a lot to them when evaluating Google. But Google is still doing great in every category. Yeah, I, th I think the one problem with cloud, though, and a lot of internet goods, is for other goods, you go to the grocery store, and there's different products on the shelf, you kind of pick and choose, and if they're pretty close to the same product, you're just going to probably be indifferent between the two products. I think the problem with, like, a cloud service is that if your cloud service is even marginally better than your competitors, 99% of people are going to get that, pick that, because there's really no downside. Like, you can get the better product without sacrificing anything. And Microsoft has done such a great job integrating the AI into what they do with the cloud that people want to be a part of that. They want to join. It might not seem like a big thing, but back to our grocery store metaphor. When you pick out let's say Kellogg cereal instead of General Mills, you're going to go back to the store next week and you might buy something different. Cloud purchases, when you put your business or personal you know, home computer on an operating system, it's really hard to change from that. And you're going to probably pay a subscription for as long as you know AI or computers are really a thing. I think one important thing to note here with Google is that despite this tanking in the uh, stock price, this could be a good sign for investors in Google because we're seeing them put up, you know, once again, great numbers 
huge returns in just about every category, huge revenues, and yet their price is going down. Well, what does that make it? It makes it a bargain, right? And if it's still a good company that's still, you know, growing, it's a massive company and it's still doing well and the price is going down, that could be an, an, an attractive, you know, option for your por portfolio. This is not a recommendation to buy Google whatsoever. It's just something to think about that when a stock price goes down, you know, we, we might be tempted to think, oh, Google's doing bad, but that's not necessarily the case. Yeah, it's a fine line because there have been a lot of mighty companies to fall. Less than a century ago, Sears was the Amazon.com of its day. And so, you know, when you started to see chinks in that armor, you probably wanted to get out. And I think people are wondering, hey, is this the chink in Google's armor? You talk about AI. A lot of people I know are using ChatGPT as a search engine instead of Google. That's a big deal. I mean, Google controls the advertising space through their search engine, make a lot of money there. And as you said, like cloud, if they miss this bus early, it's not just that they're losing money this quarter or not meeting expectations this quarter. I think the greater concern is that down the road, this is going to be consistent. If Microsoft gets the competitive advantage, they might not give it up. If I had to bet, I would say it's going to have to be a little while before AI can totally take over Google because Google.com right now is the number one website search engine. And the second biggest website is YouTube, which is owned by Google. So yeah. they've got the two top spots right now, and it's going to be hard to break that. Yeah, definitely. I think probably the big thing for investors, though, is when you're investing in tech stocks, you want to see that big upside. You're paying a, a lot for these shares as far as multiples. You're, you're paying a lot for every dollar of earnings because you expect that the company could go up 5 or 6x in a lot of cases. And I, I just don't know if people see that upside anymore with Google. If, if they're not able to get on the AI bandwagon, things could and likely will go very poorly for them. And you mentioned ChatGPT. And so ChatGPT is part of OpenAI, right? Yep. Okay. So that's one thing that Microsoft has been doing. Microsoft is the largest investor in OpenAI. Once again, the owner of ChatGPT. And Microsoft's cloud customers have been using OpenAI to develop apps. So since Microsoft is, is an investor in OpenAI, they profit from OpenAI and ChatGPT's successes. So, you know, naturally they're going to push their customers to store their data in OpenAI app development into Microsoft Azure? Yeah, Azure is Microsoft's Azure? cloud service. Yeah. And it's integrated with OpenAI, so they can use a lot of the features. And a lot of what it can be used for now is data analytics. So it allows businesses and just normal people to basically build their own AI like models, make their own artificial intelligence to do what they need to do. So an example I can think of this is like, Accounting. If you want to find discrepancies, you can now program artificial intelligence to help you do that. We just haven't seen Google with that same level in, of investment. In fact, Microsoft has spent 70% more this year on capital expenditures, and most of that has gone to AI. There and what's are, capital expenditures real quick? They're spending money on the equipment for AI. Okay. So it, it takes a lot of computing power, a lot of chips, a lot of... I don't know what the computer databases uh, are that, that takes to run this stuff. Power. Raw that, power. That, I mean, that is a large part of it. But Also, we have been dogging on Google a lot. However, they have 
been up 37% year to date. Mm -hmm. Um, So to say they haven't done poorly, kind of like a rising tide lifts all ships. That's actually more than Microsoft has gained over the past year, even with this downturn. Um, So so people are still thinking and, and still bullish on Alphabet to a certain extent. Um, but like you said, definitely chinks in the armors as 9% for a company of this size is almost un- unseen. And it's weird that it comes with this, you know, regular earnings report where everything, you know, where they've put up good numbers and everything. Because, I mean, it's surprising to see that the biggest drop for Go- one day drop for Google stock didn't happen in like the d- dot com bubble that we talked about earlier or in the Great Recession in 2008 or just about any other situation. This is just such a normal thing. Yeah, it definitely is interesting, and I'm really intrigued um, to watch this going forward. It is weird kind of knowing that you're part of a change. I wonder if people in the internet era or the dot-com boom kind of knew that too, had the awareness how much computers were going to change the world when the 90s hit. I don't know. It's a pretty exciting time to be alive. Time does fly when you're having fun. And we're glad that you had fun with us. We hope. We hope. We think. We're sure. We assume. It's all about expectations. Exactly. If you learned one thing, expectations. Hopefully we met your expectations on Wall Street Weekly on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. <laughs>